My name is Kevin Perry, and I have the distinct honor of serving as the chair of the Georgia Chamber of Commerce's Government Affairs Council. It is also my distinct honor and privilege today to introduce one of our special guests, United States Senator John Ossoff. Senator Ossoff serves as Georgia's senior senator and was elected in 2020. He currently sits on the Committee on Homeland Security, Government Affairs, Committee on Rules and Administration, Committee on the Judiciary, Joint Committee on the Library, and the Select Committee on Intelligence. Please join me in welcoming Senator Ossoff to the stage. Good morning. Good morning. It is great to see you. Kevin, thank you for that kind introduction. I'd like, first of all, to suggest that we once again thank First Lady Marty Kemp for her moving invocation and her service to Georgia. Thank you to our First Lady. <clears throat> to Chamber President and CEO Chris Clark, Governor Kemp, Representatives Allen, Ferguson, McCormick, elected officials, my friends at the Georgia Chamber, distinguished guests, thank you for this opportunity to share with Georgia's preeminent business leaders how I have approached my responsibilities in the Senate. Let's also express our gratitude to athens Clark County Mayor Kelly Gertz and the commissioners for their hospitality here today. Thank you, Mayor and Commission. I was down in Valdosta yesterday at Moody Air Force Base, and I saw someone who's become a, a friend of mine named Dr. Lucy Moore. Lucy and her husband arrived in Georgia in the 1970s, and she quickly became one of the most effective and passionate supporters of Moody Air Force Base in the state of Georgia. She was an educator, and so when service members and military families were transferred to Georgia, she would help them to matriculate in local schools and ensure they got credit for the classes they'd taken elsewhere. She would deliver care packages around changes of command. She was fully committed to supporting the military families who gave so much every day in defense of our country. And in the 90s, Kevin, when Moody was under threat, she formed the Moody Support Group and played as critical a role as anyone in our state in ensuring that Moody Air Force Base survived the 1990s. I had the pleasure of joining her yesterday to celebrate the Air Force's announcement of its intention to base a squadron of F-35s at Moody Air Force Base, ensuring that this facility will remain crucial to U.S. tactical aviation for decades to come. Welcome news, I know, for the Lockheed table here today. But I think that Lucy represents what makes Georgia work so well, and that is community leaders, business leaders, elected leaders, and faith leaders all pulling in the same direction, all working so well together. I had the chance to see 
the new command staff at Moody and all of the young men and women there who are protecting our nation. And let's take a moment now. I'd like every veteran, every service member, every military spouse, please, in the room to stand and be honored by this crowd for your service to our nation. Thank you. Now, we're going to have a conversation in a moment, Kevin, but I just want to uh, tee it up by saying you may have noticed my approach to this job is a little bit different. You will not find me investing my time courting controversy on national cable news or posting insults on social media. That's not the way to get things done for Georgia, and my job is to get things done for Georgia. And getting things done requires decent, effective, bipartisan working relationships in the Senate and at the local level. And I want to highlight a few significant legislative achievements that directly impact Georgia's business community the last few years. Colleagues and I in both parties in Congress have worked to enact legislation that addresses key national challenges that directly impact Georgia's economy. In particular, our long-standing neglect of critical infrastructure, and the long-term decline of American manufacturing. For decades, policymakers allowed America's infrastructure to deteriorate and to be surpassed by our international competitors. We brought Republicans and Democrats together in Congress to change that. And even in this partisan environment, we passed the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, the most significant infrastructure program since the Eisenhower administration building and upgrading the vital connective tissue that supports commerce across our state, long overdue upgrades for roads, bridges, freight and passenger rail, seaports, airports, drinking and stormwater systems, the electric grid and broadband internet access in every corner of Georgia. We also passed a suite of manufacturing policies, meeting an urgent need to strengthen America's industrial base and to ensure America leads with Georgia at the forefront in emerging technologies from advanced energy production and storage to electric vehicle manufacturing to semiconductors. And just as we must refuse to accept that America is permanently and irreconcilably divided along partisan lines, we refuse to accept that America will fall behind in the global economy. America will continue to lead the world and Georgia will lead the nation. That's why I've worked with intensity and precision to shape these policies to serve our state's particular needs and meet our state's particular strengths. As manufacturing and infrastructure nationwide are revitalized, Georgia is benefiting more than just about any state in the nation. For example, as a result of these policies and effective collaboration at all levels of government, a new electric vehicle production line is being added at the Kia plant in West Point. Construction of the Hyundai Meta plant in Bryan County has accelerated. The largest renewable energy manufacturing capex in U.S. history was announced to produce solar wafers, cells, and modules in Dalton and Cartersville. Billions worth of private investment in battery production, advanced materials, and advanced energy-related manufacturing have been committed to our state with more to come. And this new private investment supports job creation and economic growth in which new and established firms of all sizes can participate. The most important message I have for you today, business leaders, 
is that my team and I are here to help you and to serve you. And if you don't yet have my cell phone number, and many of you do, and many of you use it, some more than most, I'll make sure that you do have it. Because my team and I, our purpose is to serve you. The, the daily work of a Senate office, Kevin, is not what leads the news on cable. It's not the political story of the day. It's the basic blocking and tackling of good government. It's the efforts that I helped lead to cut India's tariffs on Georgia pecans by 70%, opening a market of more than a billion consumers for a key Georgia crop. It's the efforts that we passed with Republican and Democratic support to build Wilkinson County's first ever public sewer system. It's the work with Georgia's Ports Authority to expand capacity at the Port of Brunswick, that crucial hub in automotive shipping that'll play such an integral role in Georgia's growth. All of these successful efforts began because of open lines of communication between my office and business leaders. And I'll just close with this, and Kevin, looking forward to our discussion. You know, some may think about Georgia's economic development as a political contest for partisan credit. But Georgia's economic development is a team sport, and we're all on the same team, and that's Team Georgia. So as we tackle the urgent work ahead of us to ensure we have a skilled workforce that can sustain this economic growth, to ensure that affordable housing supply is unlocked so folks can live where they work and make ends meet, let's work together. Let's put politics aside. Let's have open lines of communication. Thank you for all of the work that you do to create jobs and create wealth across our state. Thank you to partners in state and local government for the teamwork that keeps this state growing. It is a deep honor to represent you in the Senate, and I look forward to the discussion. Thank you so much. Thanks, Senator. Well, Senator, thank you for that, and thank you for joining us for this brief fireside chat without the fire. Um, and you've touched on a few of these things, but I want to focus a little bit more on, take a deeper dive on a couple of them. In today's polarized political environment, working in a bipartisan manner is essential to enacting public policy, impacting jobs and the economy. You've made working across the aisle one of your top priorities. Can you share some specific examples where you worked across the aisle with Republican colleagues to help Georgia businesses and how you believe this kind of bipartisanship can be encouraged moving forward? Sure. We heard from Chris a rundown of some of the threats to competitiveness and to growth, the structural economic threats that face Georgia businesses in the country. I would just say that from my perspective, the level of political polarization and division and hatred in our country is one of, if not the most significant threats to our shared national future. We have got to stop seeing the world as a winner-take-all, scorched-earth battle between political factions. Ultimately, we're all on Team USA. And that's why I think achievements like the bipartisan infrastructure law like the CHIPS and Science Act, which aims to revitalize semiconductor manufacturing and support research and development in the United States is so important. It's why I've teamed up with uh, Republican and Democratic colleagues in the Senate 
to introduce the American Jobs and Innovation Act to make those R&D expenses that you undertake deductible in year one rather than amortizing them over a long time to support R&D investment in the United States, but it's also the smaller things. The Chattahoochee River Act, creating a new Army Corps of Engineers program for water quality projects up and down the Chattahoochee River, passed with bipartisan support. Uh, passed multiple bills with Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, aimed at cleaning up corruption and abuse in federal prisons, bipartisan support. The Port of Brunswick Navigation Channel Improvement Act that we passed about a year and a half ago, bipartisan support. There's a lot more happening under the, service in a, under the surface in a functional and constructive way than it appears if you're scrolling social media or watching cable news. But we have to lower the temperature in this country. Because it's fine to disagree and there should be principle and civil disagreements. Uh, but the level of division, particularly these last few years, is untenable. It's bad for business. It's bad for our country. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Um, In 2021, you helped pass the bipartisan infrastructure law, which you've referenced earlier. Um, in addition to traditional infrastructure, the importance of digital infrastructure has also been highlighted post-COVID. Um, through your work passing the bipartisan infrastructure law and the American Rescue Plan, Georgia has received $2.5 billion from the federal government to expand broadband internet access. Can you talk about the importance of digital infrastructure alongside traditional infrastructure and how this new law is, as a whole is benefiting Georgians? Sure. Well, I, I hardly need to inform the folks in this room why universal broadband Internet access is, is so important. But I would compare what we're trying to achieve here through the bipartisan infrastructure law with respect to Internet access with the rural electrification efforts of the 1930s and 40s. Uh, because just as in that time, small, lower income, more sparsely populated, more remote communities that lacked access to the grid just fell behind, the same thing's happening to communities that don't have broadband internet access. It's, uh, you know, you think about the little girl for example, at the height of the pandemic, uh, who had to be driven to the McDonald's parking lot by her father to get some Wi-Fi uh, to try to get some schoolwork done in the afternoon because there's no broadband available at home. So whether it's uh, education, entrepreneurs, small businesses, agriculture, you know, as, as uh, precision agriculture technology is deployed more widely and growers become uh, more reliant upon integrated sensor technology and artificial intelligence platforms in order to optimize uh, their practices. They need reliable high-speed internet. Telehealth and telemedicine services require reliable high-speed internet. So that's why I look at this bipartisan infrastructure law. I, I think it is one of the best examples in the last few years of U.S. history that, in fact, we don't have to be mired in gridlock. We don't have to be mired in a focus on what drives us apart. We have an urgent need to revitalize America's infrastructure. That work is ongoing, uh, and communities across Georgia are benefiting. Thank you. Um, let's, let's shift a little bit and talk about the global economy and competitiveness. Uh, Chris mentioned 
obviously concerns with the Chinese government, um, and you've been working on some solutions. Can you tell us about the measures in the recently enacted Chips and Science Act that support the domestic chip manufacturing sector? Yeah, well, the, the uh, logistics and market disruption and the industrial disruption from COVID, I think, raised public awareness about uh, how fragile those semiconductor supply chains are internationally. You got uh, TSMC in, in Taiwan, um, really just four or five firms in the world, uh, ASML in, in Holland and a few others uh, who are integral to the production of semiconductors. And it's a, a geopolitical and national security risk, but also an economic risk. We, we saw um, how difficult it was, for example, for auto manufacturers to ramp up production and meet demand when there were significant uh, shortages of, of semiconductors. So that is um, a, a, a crucial uh, component in just about everything, including and in particular uh, advanced uh, military systems. But stepping back more broadly and looking at the U.S.-China relationship, um, we have allowed the production of essential products, components, and materials, uh, we have allowed those supply chains to be monopolized uh, by Chinese industry. I mentioned in, in uh, Dalton and Cartersville, the new $2.6 billion uh, Hanwha Q-cells uh, announcement uh, to produce wafers, cells, and modules. The solar value chain, and these are strategic products. They're essential to our energy independence and our energy security, uh, demand for which is growing exponentially around the world. In solar wafers, China controls about 97% of the market. Um, and, and so we have to ensure that we and our international partners and allies uh, can produce the things that are crucial to our economic future and national security. And so the part of the manufacturing law that I wrote is the part that's focused specifically on supporting the domestic manufacturing of those solar products for that reason. Great. Um, and, and this is our last question, but high inflation is obviously something we are all concerned about and feeling the, the pinch. Um, and it's given a lot of challenges to businesses, employees, families across Georgia and throughout the country. What are your views on the current inflation rates, the Fed's reactions, and what actions, if any, can Congress take to provide some relief? You know, there was a perfect storm during and in the immediate aftermath of COVID-19, where you had, at the same time, multiple negative supply shocks and multiple demand shocks. You had, uh, for example, the shuttering of vast swaths of industry and manufacturing plant uh, in China and Southeast Asia. Um, you had a hoarding of some commodities, for example, of, of semiconductors right. uh, by certain fir firms. Um, with significant long-term implications. Um, you had uh, international logistics uh, challenged and snarled uh, in an unprecedented way at a time when the global economy has been built around just-in-time uh, logistics that require international supply chains and lines of communication to be functioning smoothly. Massive labor disruptions, work stoppages. You had a huge rotation into durable goods uh, for 
households that were suddenly at home and not accessing services and not traveling, and then you had a pivot back in the other direction that was very abrupt when the world reopened. So um, it was uh, really a perfect storm on that front. Um, in my opinion, the Fed's posture was too loose for too long, uh, even when the headline inflation numbers were obviously uh, quite high. Um, and so what we've seen now in response is that the Fed has had to play catch-up right. uh, with a series of jumbo hikes. And um, we have to be vigilant against the risk of uh, financial instability when rates are moving with that kind of volatility. Obviously, there's been some encouraging recent data. I think we have to remain vigilant. And as for Congress, I think at this point, what needs to happen is for markets to be allowed to find a new equilibrium. Um, you know, there's been some improvement in, in the tightness in the labor market. Obviously, we're seeing some encouraging data overall, but we're not out of the woods yet, uh, and we have to remain vigilant. Great. Well, thank you for that. And Senator Ossoff, thank you for your service to our state. Thank you for being with us here today. I know you've got a, a really busy schedule, but we appreciate you being here, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for the opportunity. Call me when you need me. Thank you, Senator. Great to see you. Good to see you.